Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? I'm hearing all this stuff. And they said, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then Jesus makes it personal, which he still does today to us. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? I know that's what they say of me, but what do you say of me? What, how do you view me? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because that's his name, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who was in heaven. You didn't get this from somebody else. You didn't read this in somebody's book. God Almighty gave you an illumination, a thought, a revelation that I'm actually him. I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I also say to you that you are Peter. But wait a second, his name was Simon Barjona but not anymore. From henceforth, you are Peter, which means Petra, which means a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Did you hear that? It was the first time that Jesus brought about the concept of the church. There was never such a thing before. It was always the people of God or Israel, the children of, of Israel, and they were, they were God's chosen people. But now God, Jesus is opening up not just to the Jewish world, but also to the Gentile world. All those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior would become something called the church. In those days, it was a political term. Church meant the called out ones or the called out ones to the gates of the city, and that's where they received information from their politicians. But Jesus said, I'm going to use the terms to understand it. What I want you to get is, I need to call you out from where you're at and come all in together to receive information, not from the government, but from the government of heaven, from my Father who will speak to you. Come on, everybody together coming together that God may speak one collective thought and mission and purpose to you. Because not only does Jesus bring about the concept of the church here, but Jesus also brings about the mission and the purpose. He said, and when you come together, when the church, because they didn't know that term yet, remember, when you're all called out and you come in together, where he says, he said, I'll put you at the gates of hell or Hades. In other words, your purpose is this. When you come together, you're stronger together than you are apart. So strong that even hell itself cannot break you up, break you down, break you apart. Come on, somebody say amen. That you'll be able to stand every test of the enemy. You're stronger together than you are apart. Part. Jesus said that. He established the, the concept and the mission and the purpose. I knew that when starting this church back in 1999, didn't know you yet, didn't know much about Milwaukee. We're from Rockford, Illinois originally, my wife and I, but God spoke to us to come here to start a church. That's all we had. We didn't have any people to contact, didn't have a mailing list, you know, just didn't know anybody, just had the faith to believe that God was calling us out. And, um, I asked the Lord before coming. I remember sitting on my little deck, having a cup of coffee, and there's many questions I had for the Lord, many of them, like, you know, what side of town do you want us on? It's a big city. I don't know where to even go. I didn't know anything, right? So I'm, I'm trying to hear the voice of God. And one day I just said, Lord, what do you want the church to be? I got a thousand ideas of what I want it to be. What is it you want the church to be? I didn't know what I was asking. I was asking for the visions. Vision Sunday, by the way. I was asking for the mission, asking for the purpose, 
purpose of what it is you want me to build for you. Because if I build it for me, it's going to fall apart. I build it for you, it'll be forever. And so he spoke to me and said, Isaiah 61. I had to get my Bible. Got my Bible. And I looked over Isaiah 61. And this that I'm about to read to you was the very first message I preached on Layton Avenue at the little Howard Johnson's meeting room that sat about 50 people. Our, my very first sermon. Didn't have a lot of notes. All I had was the scriptures. That's all God gave me. How many knows you got to walk by faith and not by sight? And I had a little tiny group of about four or five people that showed up. Come on, somebody. But we had church on that day. Hallelujah. And I said, this is what God gave me for this church. And here it is. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has, everybody say anointed. That doesn't mean goosebump. That means he's given me a power or an ability. He's anointed me to preach the gospel or the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, uh, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, that's the church, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified and God said son those are the people I'm calling you to I'm not going to call you to the up and up but the down and out people that have been disenfranchised people that have been broken by life and hearts been broken and stomped on and people that, that nobody else believed in and all I'm asking you to do is take a minute and see what I see see the value that are in those people come on and when they come through your doors, they may not have it all together, but just like the men that were disenfranchised, that were out there wandering in the wilderness and had no leader, and David had gotten kicked out of the kingdom and running for his life, David had the anointed on him, and those men had an anointing, but the two had to come together. All of them had to come together for all of that goodness to come out. The same anointing will be upon you to draw that goodness out of the people I sent. And don't call them like the world sees them. Don't even call them like they see themselves, but call them something that I I see on the inside of a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that may bring glory to me. Come on, somebody. And we have endeavored to do that year after year after year. We do not look at you and judge your outward appearance. We see the value of God on the inside. And we offer the garment of praise for your spirit of heaven. We offer beauty for your ashes and oil of joy where you've been down and depressed and in mourning. And the Bible says in the last verse, verse number four, it says, and they, everybody say they, shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolation. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. In other words, son, I'm sending to a city that's been broken down. How many knows we got too much violence in our city, too much drugs, gang activity, too much sex, uh, too much children out of wedlock, all the stuff that we see out there in society, y'all ain't clapping hard enough for me. And now we got all these problems he said, but I want you to see something different about the city and see it through the value of the people. And when they get raised up, everybody say they. Who are the theys that are going to repair the ruined cities? Who are the theys that are going to raise up the former desolation and rebuild the ruins of our city? The theys are the despondent. The theys are the rejected. The theys are the brokenhearted. The theys are the one, come on, that everybody else put out. 
He said, I see value in them and I want you to see them the way that I see them. And that's always been the vision, mission and purpose of our church and it will always be because that's what God, aren't you glad that we have a church that doesn't have man's vision but has a God, biblical, scriptural vision to live out every day. And the Lord has now added to that and he's added to that this year something very special, something that we've done over the years, but he's, he's telling me I got to go to another level. He said, because what you're about to do, the assignment to where God's taking us is going to require more pillars in the church, more leadership in the house of God. He said the next phase of the house is to raise up more leaders to help with the coming people, because people are going to come like crazy, guys, and it can't be our small staff with our little bit of leadership. We got to have a lot more people on board. And so he's starting to, he's starting to speak to me about that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. It says, and Jesus himself gave some to be apostles. Remember we did this last week? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So God gave gifts to men and one of those gifts happened to be me to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. That's what the Bible says. And, and I'm, my job is to equip the saints so they're able to go out and do the work for ministry. In other words, that means to administer health and healing to people who need it for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be a bunch of kids, children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In other words, especially in today's world, do we not live in a time and social media and, and internet, all people talking foolish talk out there have nothing to do with scripture at all, but say, well, this is the way, walk in it. We got to know what the word of God says today. So we're not deceived, not like little kids. God's wanting his people to grow up to another level of maturity to handle more responsibility. Amen. And that they will speak the truth in love, may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined. Watch this. The whole body has to be joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share then it causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. God's desire is for his kingdom to flourish and grow. It's an ever-expanding, everlasting kingdom. It's supposed to always grow. Hence, therefore, he wants the church, this church, to grow spiritually, yes, but also numerically. Say, well, I like it kind of way. I know everybody. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm here to tell you that's not God's best. We don't want to go to heaven empty-handed. We want to take as many of our loved ones and friends and co-workers with us as we can. Come on! That's the love of God for people. So that does mean there will be more people added. We'll have to have another service and, and keep growing. But that's not a bad thing. Us four, no more theology is wrong thinking. You know, just handle what's in the four walls of the church. Wrong thinking. That makes life about me and you. Our life is to be used by the king, come on, to go out to the highways and byways and compel people who don't know Jesus to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on! I'm preaching real good tonight, today. Am I talking the truth? So I make no apologies for having a big church. Some people come in, your church is too big. It's not big enough. 
Why? We got too many people that don't know Jesus. And not that we have to have every person in Milwaukee come here because we know there are other good churches and others will come in. And that's fine. But we've got to fulfill our mandate. We got Isaiah 61. We got to take care of. We got so, we're supposed to be building uh, 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 homes for people. Thank God for Serve Your City and Christmas in Milwaukee. But what about those that, that need a house today, that are out in the streets and their children? What are we doing about all that? Come on, somebody. We're not supposed to have one location. We're supposed to have churches all over the city, praise God, big and small, touching and reaching people all over this county. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Come on, we're not finished. We've got to continue to grow because everything that has life grows. Amen, church. Everybody say connectivity. That's the question. Are you connected or are you disconnected? Because the Bible says we're supposed to all the joints and the, and, and the Bible says we're supposed to share uh, and come together as one body and then it causes growth of that body and the edifying of that body as well. But the problem is most Christians are not as connected as they need to be. The church provides the connection. Many different gifts, many different members coming together over one commonality. One com we connect over one commonality, and that is Jesus Christ and him preached to Milwaukee. That's the reason why we should exist as a church. When I was coming up um, in the church, I told you the story. My wife and I, we served anywhere we could. And, and a lot of those places, we didn't want to serve. I didn't like necessarily taking care of the bathrooms. Come on. I was called to preach the gospel after all. My God, I mean, I'm over here flushing toilets. I mean, but you know what? That's where I had to start. And actually, I didn't have that attitude. My attitude was whatever we got to do. Come on, it's all for the kingdom anyways. And you know what? I praise God. I did. I wonder, I wonder if God actually checked me out in those days and said, this kid will do anything. He just don't care. He ain't got no pride. By the way, that's the kind of guys and gals guys God loves to use that they don't have any pride. They'll just do whatever he says to do. And when he tests you out, he can trust you with so much more, right? So I wasn't in competition with somebody. Well, he don't have to do that. And she don't have to do that. That wasn't even my thought pattern. Whatever was needed to me, I'll go do it. No, no big deal. Yeah, cool. That's all right. I know it won't be forever anyways. I'm not that stupid, but I'll do it like it's the last job I got. And I'll do it with all I got. You know, I'll, I'll do excellent at it. And so that's my, that's my behavior. Same thing with my arm because I'm, my arm is connected to my body. But my, my forearm today is not in competition with my bicep or my tricep. In other words, it functions together as an arm. It doesn't, a forearm doesn't go, I am not doing that bicep. No, it just doesn't do that. It just automatically functions the same. It shares in the same mission. That's the way it should be for us. And by the way, when you get like that, you get real fruitful in your life. You get real fulfilled in your life, and you get real fortified. In other words, protection comes. Why? The greatest enemy we can have is ourselves. We beat ourselves down so much, competing and comparing against somebody else. Man, I'm preaching good. I just don't have no time, praise God. Hey, I'll tell you what, let me just speak in tongues for five minutes and you get the rest. Just get the rest on your own. I'm just, I won't do that. All right, we'll go on. <laughs> Someone said, no, that's the kind of church it is. Yeah, kind of is the way it is. Let me make this statement. You will never really see who you are until you see the fruit you produce. You'll never really know it, who you are or see it until you see the fruit you produce and you'll never see the fruit until you're connected to the proper source. So I can't tell, you just look like a tree to me, but we know you're an apple tree when the apples start blooming on your branches. 
Now we can see the proof, and you know the proof. I am a gorgeous apple tree, right? But you're only a good apple tree, a gorgeous apple tree, as long as you're connected to the soil. And if your roots are not deep in the soil, I don't care how much potential you got, you'll never see the fruit in your life. So Jesus said this in John chapter 15, I believe it was verse 5. said, I am the vine, but watch this, you are the branches. Connectivity. We are connected together. And by the way, he says this, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. When you're not bearing fruit, you're frustrated in your life because you know there's more potential in you than what you're seeing outside of you. But the moment you get connected to the right source, now your roots go down deep and you become all that you were created to be and you bear much fruit. For without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Church is all about Jesus and he is all about the church. They're enamored. They're one and the same on earth. Doesn't the Bible say that we are the body of Christ on earth? Didn't the Bible say husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave his life for it? This is no game to the Messiah today. He loved the church and believes the church so much, the body of Christ, that he gave his life for it. How close is Jesus to the church? Acts says this, the book of Acts, where Saul is the Pharisee of Pharisees, and he's out collecting Christians who will not deny their faith. And as a result, he's putting them in prison, having their families dragged out because they won't deny, and putting them in prison. As a result, having them stoned to death or imprisoned, it's terrible what he's doing. He's doing this as he's like a, he's like a, a, a terrorist, for Christians, and he believes he's doing the name of God. And now he's on his high horse one day, riding into Damascus, come on y'all, and a light comes out of heaven, the power of God nails Saul, drops him like a sack of potatoes to the ground. He's crying like, a, like you know, he's just lost his mind, can't see out of his eyes, and a voice comes out, and it's the voice of Jesus Christ himself. And he says these words, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Had he ever met Jesus? No. Had he ever had a conversation with Jesus? No. Ever bumped into Jesus? No. So why was he saying, why are you persecuting me? Because when you persecute his church, it's like you're persecuting Jesus himself. You can't separate the two. They're one and the same. We're better together than we are apart. That tells me anybody tries to run up on us, come on somebody. Jesus will drop them like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> God really wants you to belong to a local church. You're, you're meant to belong. You're not meant to do life alone. I know you think you're supposed to do it. I know that you've been hurt and you can't trust anybody. And I know there are issues that surround that. But still, the fact remains the fact. We're all created to belong and to fit somewhere. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has set the members, set the members. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. God doesn't take this lightly. He actually sets you in and it gives him pleasure to put you in the right place. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. If you're not called to be at Faith Builders, 
I'm telling you, you're called to be somewhere at some church. You're not called to do life alone as a believer. Why? You're missing the main ingredient that will bless your life so much. But if it is here, get in with all you got. Get involved in the growth track. We're actually, uh, we got people graduating today. Come on, over 30 people graduating today and becoming members. And... And we'll have them testify sometimes. They'll tell you it was the easiest thing they did. It's super simple. It's not even hard to do, but you learn a lot in the process. And my wife and I get a chance to, uh, to shake their hands today. But the fact that remains is I'm so glad that at the beginning when we started this church, guys, we had nothing. We had nothing. And, and I'm so glad that people that, even though it was a small group of people in 1999, year 2000, and, and maybe even to 2001, yes, we grew, but still small. I'm so glad they could see the vision I was pumping out. We were so excited about the future. And I'd tell them stuff like, one day we're going to have this, and one day we're going to have that, while we had an old, beat-up, stinky theater that we were meeting in all funky. Come on, y'all. And we had people, I mean, we had, it was just, you know, we had people helping us tear down. Y'all don't have to work. You just come to church and get a latte. Hey, I'm at church. We used to have to work, you know, and that's fine. I want you to, I want you to enjoy your time. That, that, that's nothing wrong. But I'm saying back in those days, we had to set the church up, dude. We had to pull it out of storage, set all the equipment up, check it all out. All the children's equipment had to be pulled out. All the youth ministry stuff. And then we had to put it right back where it belonged. Every, that's a lot of work. No air conditioning. Now, now you don't care, but in July, you care. No air movement. Come on, it was terrible, sweating, stinky, all that stuff. And I tell them, we're going to have a beautiful place to worship God. We're going to have a great place for your kids. We're going to have an incredible sound system. Every time, every time the sound system broke, I'd say, name of Jesus. We're going to have an incredible sound. Everybody clap and they cheer. Why? Because they actually believed that it was possible. You know why I'm so grateful for that? Because I had nothing else to offer them. I didn't have a cool program. Didn't have cool lights and smoke. Didn't have it. Just a little bit of vision. All I can tell you right now, this is what I feel in my spirit. I'm telling you what I know. That's all been good till now. But I'm telling you, there's a vision and a mission burning on the inside of me. It's like we're starting all over again with this group right here. And we're moving into destiny. Come on, somebody say yes. And you are going to say, I remember when. Come on, we just had two services. I remember when we just had three services. <laughs> I remember when we used to be in that building. Remember that building over there by the airport? Wasn't that so small? You're going to say those words one day. See, some of you are like, oh, no. I'm telling you. I tell them stuff like that. We had 50 so didn't I? Did I not? These two people sat in the front row of my church. The only people that actually gave me credibility. Everybody else was like 21 years old, praise God. And they're like, these are two older people that love me and believed in me. And I, I'll never forget the rest of I'll never forget our conversation we had. At, at, and we said, want to go out to eat? It's after Sunday. We didn't know you yet. You came a couple services. We said, yeah, we went to chanceries. Remember that? And we sat and we talked about the vision of the church and where we're going. And they believed in us. I couldn't believe it. They believed in us, praise God. And, they done, and I would say stuff like that all the time. I'd say, you know what, guys? Get used to the people that are around you. Make close friends right now. There's coming a day you won't know everybody in the church. Treasure these moments. And they say, ah, okay, yeah. And we did, praise God. And you know what people did? They left the church. You know why? They didn't like it that way. They didn't like the fact they didn't know everybody. They didn't like the fact that, that, um, that, um, that they, they, uh, they weren't able to go out with everybody afterwards at, for supper. That, that little close little nucleus changed. But the truth of the matter is, it still stayed the same, but they didn't recognize it. You see, church is, church is supposed to be this way because heaven is supposed to be populated, man. 
So it's not about all the people I just happen to know in my little world. You'll always know those people, but we got to stretch beyond that, praise God. And I say this. Say, well, church grew and I don't know anybody. Well, start bringing the people you do know. Let's get them saved. And then you have them with you every Sunday, praise God. It's a start. Amen. Am I right? Amen. Jesus is the founder, the builder, the architect, the designer, and the foundation chief cornerstone of the church. And yet most of the followers are not even involved in it. He's the one that built the structure. And if Jesus was not a part of the structure of this church or all churches, it would crumble. He is our purpose. He is the reason why we gather. That's why I love, I'm going to give you real quick these little points, and then I'm going to close this thing out. But I, I want to give it to you because it's important. I found out the priorities of Christ. When you find out the priorities of who Jesus is and what he did, they, you need to adopt those babies and they need to become a part of your church. So number one, his priority was going after the lost. And that's our priority. Luke 9.10 says, 19.10 says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Number two, his priority was to love one another. We must love one another. John 13.34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. I'll tell you what, I, I, I've always had a low level of tolerance for people when they get stupid. I'm gonna be honest with you. I probably tell you you're being stupid right now. That's, that's my nature. As a pastor, I've learned to, I've learned to not be so abrupt, right? Because that's, you can't, you shouldn't be like that. And it's taken a long time, but I've noticed something. Now, you can't take all of that out of me because that's a good part of me too. I don't tolerate stupid stuff in my own life, amen. But the truth is, I've learned, the older I get, and Pastor Ruben and I were talking about the more empathy. He don't have a lot yet, but I, I'm getting it. He's still working on his. Pray Jesus, Lord, help him, Lord, help him, Lord. But we were talking about it anyways. And you start thinking differently as you get older, right? You know why? You've been through a few things in your own life. And you go, you know what? Instead of me getting mad at the Taco Bell guy right now, come on, somebody. Because they got an attitude. I'm like, you work here, don't you? You actually work here. And treat me right. I am a customer of Taco Bell. And you will treat me with some respect right here. And I used to be like that, right? I learned that maybe, you know, they're having a bad day. And they don't care right now what they look like. They're even taking the risk of being fired because they don't care because they're hurting so badly. It may be an opportunity for me to minister, amen? I'm finding that out. So what I practice in the church, I'm trying to practice out there in public too because people need loving kindness. They need tenderheartedness. They need for us to show love to them and not that abrasive anger. Okay. Now, if you see me at Taco Bell and I flipped out on somebody, pray for me. Praise God. I'm still working on it. I am. Number three, unity. Unity. Uh, Jesus was a priority. For us, it must be. Psalms 133.1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How about this? Ephesians 4.3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, we don't want people talking about each other behind their backs here at the church. You got a problem with someone? Hey, okay, go right to them. Don't put their business out on social media, man. That's not how Christians handle their business. We take stuff behind closed doors and we deal with the person themselves. And if they won't hear us, what do we do? We get somebody in the church, a leader or an elder in the church to go with us and try to explain what's going on. That's how we handle our business. Number four is prayer. It's a priority of Christ. It's got to be a priority of faith builders. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18, 
uh, praying with all prayer and supplication, the Spirit will be washed with the same, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. That, that's powerful, guys. We have to be a ministry that prays, prays, prays. Number five, persistence and dedication. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man, be persistent, be dedicated. Don't think, I'm doing all this for nothing. Anytime you do for the king, anything. I've done things in my life, I've talked to you about this, that I look back and I thought, that was a waste of my time. Because I don't like my time wasted. And I get mad with God. You allowed me to waste my time? I mean, I get mad about stuff. And the Lord rebuked me. He said, either it was a labor of love or it wasn't. Which one do you want it to be? Because if it's a labor of love, it's going to be seed that you've sown into the ground. If it's not, you've got no seed in the ground anymore. So everything I've done in my past, I say, okay, that's all, that's all good. I didn't like it, didn't enjoy it. Let it be seed in Jesus' name. Lastly, number six is discipleship. If it was a priority for Jesus, it's got to be a priority for our church. And that means to raise up leaders in this year. You're going to hear me talk more and more about your leadership. Not just the leadership we have now. I'm going to you. And I'm going to ask you, would you like to be a part of our leadership team? And I'll teach you and I'll train you and get you prepared. Because as we expand the roof, naturally, but the roof spiritually, to have more people come in to be touched by God, we've got to have more pillars to hold the roof up. Pillars are the leadership in the church, and so we'll be asking that upon you to be a part of it. Ephesians 4.12, equipping the saints. That's what we're supposed to do. And lastly, Matthew 28.19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go therefore and make disciples, Jesus said. That's bringing leadership. That's what we're called to do. That is our vision. That's what I want to tell you today. We're not stopping. We're growing. We're going to continue moving forward. You matter. Your friends and relatives matter. Your neighbors matter. If you go to school, the people that are at school, they matter. And we're going to bring them into the kingdom of God this year. Somebody say amen. Come on. Can we give the Lord a hand clap today? Thank you for our vision, Lord. Thank you for our mission. Amen. Well, we're a little over today, but it's a special day. And today is our Heart for the House offering. We haven't done this in a couple months. On purpose, I did it that way. But we now have to, um, we have to now uh, replenish what we've taken. You know, December was a big month for our uh, Christmas in Milwaukee. And so what we do is we minister to the poor. And we like to be able to carry uh, some money in the bank account to be able to help them with food and uh, clothing and different things that they need. And so, uh, and also we have our own missions thing that we take care of internally. That's why it's called Heart for the House. And so we want you to dig deep today and help us with that assignment. It's been two months since I've asked, but I'm asking you today. And some people give 10 bucks or 20 bucks or some have given 100. I've had a person write a check for $1,000 one time. That was a huge blessing. Whatever God puts in your heart, you can do it by way of the envelope in front of you. Go online to myfaithbuilders.org or .com rather. Go there and um, giving, it'll say heart for the house, hit that. Or go to our church app, same thing. Our church app will do the same thing. All of it will be uh, accounted for. And let me give you this little scripture while you're preparing that today. This is to help people that you might not meet ever again, just on the other side in heaven. But, the, but God will know. Here's what it says, verse 10. You shall surely give to him, speaking of the poor, of the poor person. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. God promises to bless us, bless us when we minister to the poor. For the poor will never cease from the land. 
Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. That's a command of scripture. God says, I want you to bless people that are less fortunate than you. Can I tell you something? This is not our offering. This goes to bless other people. But let me just say this. I do it because I want God's blessing on this church. I see that as a corporate thing too. You know, not just you personally, but us as a ministry, we get blessed, okay? We've endeavored to do this. Can I tell you the people that give the biggest in the offerings during this time? The people that give the biggest are the people that actually have been where the poor are. The people that have been put out on the street. The people that didn't know where they were going to go for their next meal or to help their children get clothes or go get school supplies. The people that have, have, have uh, lost their job because they had no transportation and so on and so forth. And you know the pain of that. And because you know the pain of that, you're so quick to give. And I know you don't have a lot to give. But it's just like, you know what? I've been there. I can sympathize or empathize with them. Thank you. God sees your heart. You're going places. And anybody else says, well, I've been fortunate enough to be blessed. Never had a hard time. Thank God for you. I mean, that's wonderful. But we still should give back to those who have a hard time. Well, they should work for it. Right, come on, guys. Look, how can you work for something if you've got all kinds of other problems going on in your life? you got no, no transportation. you got nowhere to put your kids. You maybe have a mental illness problem. There's all kinds of reasons why people get caught up in the things they get caught up in. I'm asking you to have a heart and let's bless them today. Amen. Ushers, if you'll come forward today. Father, we ask you to bless now this offering. Bless it back just like you said in your word, Lord God. We lend to the poor. You will repay in Jesus' precious name. The church said, amen. amen. God bless you as you give.